unique ways with Thomas Gerard emerges with people from all walks of life who through their own unique angle succeed and flourish. Enjoy the ride and welcome to Unique Ways, an audio podcast. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard, an audio podcast. We had a really awesome guest today. Um, she has a unique approach to executive coaching and product design consulting, combining 20 plus years of experience in executive UX leadership and digital product design. She's recently a product design director of Google Shopping, and before Google, she was chief creative officer at RGA. Please join me in welcoming Chloe Gottlieb. Welcome. Thank you so much, Thomas, for the invitation. Honored to be here. Awesome. Are you ready for 20 questions? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Number one, tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? I will give you my one minute intro. Uh, I have been a design leader of large teams for the last 20 plus years and started my career in advertising as a product designer and most recently was at Google where I led teams on Google Workspace and Google Shopping. And this was all, you know, wonderful career. I was having a great kind of momentum in my career and had the chance to work with really amazing teams and people and launch products that serve billions of people. And about a year ago, I had a health crisis in my immediate family that stopped everything and really brought me to my knees. And that's not a story for me to share, but the great news is that everything is much better and, and things are going really well there. But I share this because that moment really created a lot of clarity for me. And I would say propelled me into my purpose. And so I had always loved, I was a manager, but I had always loved coaching people. And if you ask anyone that I've worked with, one of the patterns that comes up is that Chloe is someone who sees the potential in people and teams and helps support them to get out of their own ways and realize their greatness. I had had some amazing coaches and I decided that I didn't want to put off that dream any longer and started a certification program and began my pivot into full-time coaching. And so now what I'm doing is working with leaders and teams to really express their highest potential and using coaching techniques and tools that are inspired by design. So the really fun part of what I'm doing now is working at the intersection of design, performance, and building it on a foundation of well-being. So a lot of the individuals and teams that I work with are seeking goals around peak performance in their careers and lives. And I believe that a career is a marathon, not a sprint. So as their coach, yes, I'm giving them those tools to achieve their goals while also focusing on sustaining performance over the long haul, which includes really looking at what rituals and time is invested in self and well-being. 
Great. That's great. Um, just to know for our audience, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we'll ordinarily have a lot of design legends, people like John Maida and W. Millman on the show. But it isn't uh, until now, I think, that we're hitting uh, big tech and people who really excel in that area. So super excited to have Chloe on today. Um, so number two, what's a key piece of knowledge that makes you different? Oh, I love that question. What's a key piece of knowledge that makes me different? I would say that it is this combination of design thinking, meeting human potential and well-being. And something that many people might not know about me is that I was born in a yoga community. So my parents were very big hippies and dropped out you so to speak and met each other and had me in a communal setting in upstate New York where they were practicing yoga and meditation so mindfulness tools have been a part of my life since day one and while that was embarrassing as a child as an adult they really served me I would almost say they were my secret power as I worked my way through um, the corporate ladder and took on bigger, bigger roles and challenges, the mindfulness techniques that I had been exposed to when I was younger was something that made me unique, but maybe not everyone knew that I was practicing. So part of the coaching and what I hope to do with my business is to make sure that I can share more of those tools with more people. Great. Mindfulness. I love it. So number three, why this of all things? Why do you do what you do? I really love designing great products. And at the same time, there's nothing more exciting to me than somebody visualizing a big audacious breakthrough in their life and finding a way to achieve it. And so that is what gives me joy. I do believe that the work I'm doing now as an executive coach is work that doesn't feel like work, <laughs> feels like service. Um, and we all get in our own ways. So the magic of coaching is in that co-creation between the individual and the coach to look at patterns and limiting beliefs and behaviors that might not be serving the person. I'm fascinated by human behavior and have always been fascinated by leadership. And so being able to be a catalyst for people's greatness is really what lights me up. And I've never had so much fun at work. Nice, I love it. Um, number four, some people say uh, they have to struggle with this a bit, but the question is, what does your future look like? I am going through the process right now of mapping out a business plan for my business. And I have to say that when I started coaching, I wasn't looking to what the three or five or seven year plan might be. But now that I'm sitting down and, and doing this with intention, I get really excited about all the possibilities. And so I would say that 
right now I'm doing what I should be, which is really spending time on the craft of coaching and spending time in one-on-one and team settings doing the coaching. But I don't think that's the limit to what I'd like to do. I think because I'm also a designer that I see an opportunity to scale this type of coaching to more people. And so I imagine that in the three to five year mark, there might be some products or platforms that are available to people that give more people access to coaching. Because it is something right now that is not as as accessible or inclusive as I would like it to be. It can be expensive and it can be something that companies don't always offer their employees. And so what I'm starting to imagine is what are ways to make it more inclusive and accessible. But for now, let's not get ahead of ourselves. For now, it's really about the foundation, building a strong foundation of my business to make sure that it's built on sound values, on purpose, on kindness and generosity. And then from there, I'm sure there will be lots of fun products that come out of that. Nice. So, um, so number five, so we're recording here on my side from Vancouver, Canada, but with the audio podcast, we have guests from everywhere. The question is, let's talk about location. How does the notion of place play into what you do? Sure. Um, I love Vancouver. One of the most beautiful drives I've ever done was that drive between Vancouver and Whistler. Hmm. I'll never forget it. Uh, such a beautiful part of the world. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm here in Brooklyn, New York. I live in a tiny neighborhood most people have never heard of in New York City. It's only two blocks called the Columbia Waterfront District. It's right near Brooklyn Bridge Park. And I love living near the water and I'm in the park pretty much every day. Place is very interesting for me because I actually have lived in different countries. I speak different languages. I always imagined myself as a global nomad that would be working for the UN and traveling the world. And that is not how life ended up. I ended up marrying New York, I like to say, because my husband was born in the Bronx and sees no reason to ever leave New York City. Um, But I have to say that Staying in New York has become a choice because I have so much family and so many roots in and around New York City and the Hudson Valley. And it's been really important to me as a mom to be near grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins as I raise my, as we raise our kids. But also New York is so full of creative energy. So now that I've moved into this entrepreneurial phase of my career, It's giving me a lot of energy to be in a city that is always buzzing with that creative energy. Um, I'm definitely a nature person, so I do need breaks. I like to take pauses and, and escape the city whenever I can. But the big magnet of New York City always draws me back in. Great. I'll give a shout out to one of our past episodes with Timothy Goodman. He's also New York based and makes a big effort to um, really stay local and and try to give back in that place. So that's a that's a great one. Um, Number six, if you had to start from the beginning, what advice would you give your former younger self? I would give the advice to myself that I 
give to many female and women leaders, which is, and all leaders really, all people is to practice self-compassion as a recovering over hyperachiever. I know very well the pressure that we put on ourselves to strive and achieve and be productive and do all of these things that we're doing. And so I would say to my younger self, balance that, balance that with self-compassion, acceptance, ease, and stillness. The, the stillness that I've found through mindfulness techniques like meditation, breath work, yoga, have been such a gift in my life. And if I were to tell my younger self, you know, keep on that path, keep on the path of doing, but also being that both are important and both work together. Nice. I love it. Okay. Number seven, what's a day in your life like? Um, <laughs> it's a good question. Oh, the day in the life of a working mom, uh, solopreneur is a, it's dynamic. It's always changing. Um, the things that don't change is I always bookend my day. So I always start and end my day with ritual. Um, and that changes, you know, I get bored of stuff and I'll try new stuff, but the, the day always starts with sitting on my mat and just getting grounded and breath work and maybe some meditation usually exercise, preferably outside, getting my kids ready for school, um, getting them off to school. And then my day really depends, you know, I'm, I spend time in one-on-one -on -one meetings with coaching clients. I might be leading a workshop with a team. I might be writing an article or sharing some, you know, thoughts and writing the written form. Um, I might be working on my business plan. I might be doing some of the organizational administrative parts of running a business like, uh, you know, calendar stuff and invoicing. So right now I'm doing it all and that's a choice. Um, I have been a manager for so long and have loved being a manager and, and really do miss my teams, but I'm actually really enjoying right now is just kind of working on my own and coaching people and not being a manager at this time. Um, my day usually ends, the work part of my day usually ends around five or so, five or six. And then I've really been enjoying walking. So I like to take another, like go outside, take another walk and then on to making dinner and dinner time has become probably the most important part of my day. I have to admit with guilt that when I was working at RGA and advertising and, and had young kids, you know, the, the workday would end around 637. And so I always miss dinner time during the week with my kids. And it's a big regret that I that I have. And so during the pandemic, my husband and I prioritize family dinner and we never miss it. And it's become such a special time. We talk about current events. We talk about 
race. We talk about um, religion. We talk about important topics. We talk about what happened in people's day. We talk about everything and nothing, but the main thing that is key is just coming back together as a family and connecting. Um, so that dinner time is really key. And then I think, I don't really know what happens in a weekday evening. It kind of just blurs. Um, but you know, a combination of like shepherding kids to and from sports or classes and getting people to bed. It's a busy, it's a busy life, but very rewarding and fulfilling. Great. So I wanted to say, oh, but bookending. So I like to also end the day with some kind of stretching and grounding exercises could, again, could be breath work or yoga, or just even laying on the floor with my legs up the wall and some form of Shavasana to kind of let go of the busyness of the day and get ready for, for sleep. Everything and nothing. I love it. Okay, so number eight, lifelong learning is a popular topic. How do you stay up to date? Lifelong learning is so important. And I do consider myself very curious and very much a lifelong learner. And I would say that the really important thing is to keep expanding one's circle. So I, for example, um, I joined a women's leadership network that named Chief. I don't know if people have heard of it, but there's lots of different, you know, networks you can join. But what's interesting about that is the obvious thing to do would, there's all these talks and workshops given by members. The obvious thing to do would be to go to topics that are in or adjacent to things that I'm working in. But what I love is actually making the effort to go to things that are the opposite or totally <laughs> um, distanced or far away from what seems like it would be close to my field. And so that actually um, inspires me and allows me to learn. And so I'm always looking for divergent sources for learning. Um, and I try to make a point to do virtual coffees or teas without any purpose or agenda, but just to explore and chat and learn from people. Um, so just being open and making sure that your circles of extended circles of people that you have contact with are always changing so that you can get new views and perspectives. And um, one example that's really fun, I've been, many of you might have heard of the term manifestation or visualization. It's a pretty common coaching technique, you know, to look into the future and imagine what a different future might be and then work backwards. But through exploring different topics and research and talking to different people in different fields, I've actually, I'm circling this area of um, neuroscience, which shows that there's a part of the brain, the reticular activating system, the RAS, that is the reason that manifestation and visualization works. So what I love the most is the combining and recombining of different fields to make new ideas. So how does brain science meet human performance? How does design thinking meet human potential? These are, these are kind of the things that I'm looking at and it's at these intersections that I get really excited to learn. Great. Okay. So almost halfway here, number nine. So it's about tools. What tools do you use? Are you mostly digital? 
I want to talk about tools of being an entrepreneur. I, I think it's never been easier to start a business, at least what I'm seeing. You know, I had never started a business before and I'm having so much fun. There's literally tools for every part of my business. Um, I'm using, I'll share some of the, the tools that I'm loving right now for my, my coaching business. So one is copper it's a crm tool that helps me just keep track of people that are reaching out to me and that i need to connect with um i'm using i'm excited to try i was using otter.ai for meeting notes but now i'm really excited to try the in zoom ai features for meeting notes um what else am i using i'm using square for billing i'm using quickbooks for my accounting um, what else am I using? I'm using Google spreadsheets, of course, that's like foundational. So yeah, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have to say that there's never been a better time to start a business. If you have an idea and that's something that you want to do, you don't need a ton of capital to get it going because there's just so many tools available on the coaching side for my clients. What's been really interesting in terms of the question of tools is that I'm actually using design tools for human performance. So what I mean by that, you know, some people come to me and they're curious about their purpose, about values, about their North Star, about their five-year vision and plan. And so I've actually been using design tools that we would work with brands on but applying them to life and it's working really well. So, you know, helping companies like Nike and Samsung figure out what is their brand and purpose and kind of plan those design tools work just as well when you're thinking about your own life. And that's been super exciting as well. Nice. So the halfway point here, some people are kind of allergic to this question, but it is how do you deal with work-life balance? Um, I think I would reframe the question to what is, what is my relationship to doing and being? And I think I've talked about this a little bit, but I am one of these people that loves to work and can work all the time, but it's not what actually makes me the most creative. And so what I love in terms of reframing is how do we intentionally pause and create more time of doing nothing and just being and how does that actually lead to more creativity and better work? And so I, I see it as very symbiotic that the more we allow time to be bored and non-productive, <laughs> the more we actually can find wellsprings of creativity within us. And what I've seen in my own life is that when every block on my calendar is filled with meetings, my creativity plummets. And as soon as I open up space to explore new ideas or just go take a walk or just do nothing, my creativity starts to bubble up and new ideas emerge. So I see a direct correlation between balancing doing and being in service of our creativity and work.
Love it. Um, if you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? If I wasn't doing what I would, what I'm doing now, I think I would be buying real estate and redesigning homes and selling them. <laughs> like I love, and maybe this is the designer in me. Like I love, um, looking at real estate on it's kind of a way I relax it's weird but looking on, at real estate and just reimagining interiors and landscaping and um just that whole that whole world of home architecture real estate is probably something that I would be working in what would you not like to do with your career what would I not like to do hmm One thing I would not like to do is be too restless. I was really inspired by, there's a leader in advertising. Her name is Susan Creedle, who I respect a great deal. She's one of the greats. And she talks about the one, three, five, seven year approach to leadership. And I think in this era of restlessness and moving around, there's actually a real beauty to committing and staying with something for a while. So what I would not like to do with my career is be leaving, be leaving things too soon. Um, rather, what I would like to be doing is investing, committing, and then having the patience to see the seeds grow over time. Great. And 13, what's your favorite word, quote, or sentence? My favorite quote is something that I shared with a client recently. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And what this means to me, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek, is often the things that we're most scared of or that we avoid actually, if we move through them, bring us the greatest joy and the greatest gifts. Great. And not everyone has this, but do you have a least favorite word, quote, or sentence? Uh -huh. um, what is my least favorite quote or sentence? I'll have to come back to you, Thomas, on that one. That's a good one. Okay. You stumped me. <laughs> um, 15, if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what word would you choose? Catalytic. What keeps you up at night? Perimenopause. <laughs> Do you have a dream you're chasing? My dream that I'm chasing is a legacy of inspiring the world's most enlightened leaders to achieve peak performance with a foundation of well-being. What inspires you? Humans, people, creativity. And last couple here, any advice you'd like to share? 
The advice that I would like to share is to be kinder to yourself. Nice. And the one everyone loves, number 20, how can our listeners keep, tab listeners keep tabs on you? Um, what's our call to action today? Sure. Um, you can find me in the usual channels, um, Chloe Gottlieb on LinkedIn, where I share articles and some research I'm doing, um, at Chloalo on Instagram, C-H-L-O-A-L-O. -L -O. And my website is designmeco.com. And I'm cooking up some really fun and exciting leadership and team-based opportunities at leaderlylabs.com with Sarah Roberts, who's formerly from the Google School of Leaders. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining. You know, I'm so glad to kind of continue to build up this New York City um, aspect of the podcast. And, you know, have you, having you from Big Tech uh, being on the show is, uh, is a real privilege for us. So thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, Thomas. Great to be here. Thanks. If you like today's podcast, I encourage you to have a listen to other episodes. You can easily find them at uniqueways.ca or wherever you find podcasts. You can also find us on social media. And thank you. It's you that makes these great, and it's you who these are for. Stay tuned for more unique ways. Mm -hmm.